0: Oh, it's so good to see you in the Lord's house today I have been excited this week about getting here this morning not only about the message but just getting to see you we had a wonderful time of fellowship yesterday in the back building with uh, you know we're struggling with what to call these groups I don't want to call it the senior adults We just call it the adults I mean we were all adults there except for one or two childish people that were there no I'm only kidding <laughs> We had a great time. I had told somebody not too long ago, I said, if you want to get a good group of people together, have a potluck. I don't know why it is, but in the church of God, if you have a potluck, I mean, they'll come out of the woods to come. We had a great crowd and had a wonderful time. And as I was sitting there and watching everyone as they were interacting with one another and laughing and cutting up and just having a good time, I just, I almost felt like in my spirit that the Lord was saying, I'm going to take this church now to the next level. People who are hungry to see what I have in store for you are showing up. I'm bringing them from the north and the south and the east and the west. And I'm telling you, God has a great future in store for us, and I want to be a part of that, don't you? Amen. I really do. So I'm thankful to see you here today. And you know me, I don't like to call names and call people out, but I think I would be remiss in my duties as a pastor if I did not mention how wonderful it is to have Miss Donna Schmidt with us this morning. As you know, Miss Donna moved to Alabama to be closer to her family about a year ago, somewhere in that neighborhood. And uh, I was in my office this week and just studying, and, and my door was open, and here she came in. And I was totally unannounced, totally unexpected, she came in, and she was telling me about the reason she is here this week. And, and it was just so good to get to catch up with her and to hear all the wonderful things that God is doing in her life. And she made me promise that I wouldn't tell anyone that she was in town this week because she wanted it to be a surprise today when she came to church. So I don't think I even told Donna because she made me promise don't tell anyone. But, Miss Donna, it's so good to have you with us today. And we're delighted that you could come this morning. And we, we hope that you can visit again very soon. I know you have to go back to Alabama I don't know why in the world you want to when you could stay here with us but I know that you have to do that but we're glad so glad that you're here and so many new families that you know I find myself every week having to go by uh, and and ask people what their names are again because there have been several people who have started coming and and uh, I'm just delighted that you're here and you know what our rule is you only get one shot at visiting After that, we just consider you part of the family. So, thank you for being here. We're glad that you are here. If you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to grab them and turn with me to Mark chapter 1. And we're going to read verses 21 through 28 today. I'm going to be using the New King James Version this morning. I like the way uh, that it interprets this uh, story. I know that many of you use this version, so you'll be able to read right along with me but we've been talking about the last few weeks about the miracles of jesus and one of the things that we've learned from this particular sermon series is that jesus always has a purpose in everything that he does jesus doesn't get up in the morning and do something accidentally because he knows all things and because he was in constant communication with the father He had all knowledge, all understanding, all wisdom, and he was able to pass that along. And one of the vehicles through which he brought information and revelation to people was through the miracles, through through the signs, through the wonders that he performed. And he still does that today. There are times uh, when God just works miracles among us and in our lives, and when he does... We should do more than just rejoice because God relieved us of something. But we should dig deep to discover the truth and the revelation that God has for us in the purpose of what he was doing in our lives. So today we want to look at this passage of Scripture. And and we're going to uh, work our way through it a little slowly because there are some things that I think we really need to dig deep to understand Uh, I want you to know that today we're going to be talking about demons. We're going to be mentioning that because that's part of it. So don't anybody get afraid. It's going to be okay. Always remember that if Jesus had full authority and then he passed that authority on to us, there's no need for us to be afraid of anything. At the same time, we have to recognize the fact that there is demonic activity going on in the world that we live in even today. That much of what we see in our world and in our city is being driven by demonic forces. And we've got to acknowledge that. But in acknowledging that, we must also understand that God has given us the authority to be overcomers at all times. That he causes us to triumph always and in all things. So, we're not afraid of any demonic power today. We will acknowledge it. But we will also understand that God has given us the power to be overcomers. Aren't you glad to know that today? So, with that said, let's begin reading at Mark chapter 1, verse 21. It says, Then they went up into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his teaching for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes now there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit some translations just say a demonic spirit and he cried out saying let us alone what have we to do with you jesus of nazareth did you come to destroy us i know who you are You are the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the unclean or the demonic spirit had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. Then they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? And what new doctrine is this? For with authority he commands even the demonic or unclean spirits, and they obey him. And immediately his fame spread throughout all the region around Galilee. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. I pray that you will help me to look at this passage of scripture and to teach it and preach it in an effective way. And help us to understand, Lord, that there are things that you're teaching us through this historical event, and that if we can receive them and apply them to our lives, that we indeed can walk in victory in the midst of and through every circumstance that we face, even when it is demonically influenced. Father, we ask you to do this in Jesus' name and for the glory of God. Amen and amen. Now, there are three things that we're going to talk about in this passage of Scripture. There are three things that appear here that we need to be aware of. The first thing that I want to point out to you is that Jesus is teaching doctrine. He is trying to lay before them doctrine that they can live their lives with and that they can build their faith upon. Now, doctrine is not something to be pushed aside. And I, I want to be very careful what I say right now because I know that sometimes, particularly among the, the younger generation, there is some resistance to this idea of doctrine. That I do not want to hear doctrine. I, I want to hear what feels good. I, I, I want to experience what feels good. And listen, I'm okay with our feelings because... Uh, You know, we are body, soul, and spirit, and we are designed to feel what God is doing. But we must be careful that we do not dismiss doctrine because it is doctrine that we build our faith system upon. And without doctrine, we really have nothing at all to stand on because there will come a day when what you feel will fade away. But when you stand upon the Word of God that is given to us by the doctrine and the teaching of the Word of God, then even in the bad times and even when you don't have any chill bumps running up and down your spine, you will be able to set your feet and plant your feet in doctrine and say, though I may not see it, I know that it is true because the Word of God teaches it. So please hear me today as your pastor do not fear doctrine we need it in fact i will take a church that teaches doctrine over a church that feels good every day of the week because when the feeling goes away we must have something to build our faith upon and that thing is the doctrine of scripture Let me me tell you what basically that doctrine is. The basic meaning of the term doctrine is simply teaching. Christian doctrine, accordingly, is the attempt to state in intellectually responsible terms the message of the gospel and the content of the faith that it elicits. In other words... Anytime that we are confronted with what we believe, we should be able to say, my doctrinal beliefs are as such. This is what I believe the Bible teaches, and this is where I stand in moments of difficulty. So for those of you who are kind of resisting this idea of doctrine, let me as your pastor say, you need doctrine in your life. You need to know what Jesus wants you to know so that when the going gets tough, you can be one of the tough ones that will stand in every situation. You say, now what in the world does this have to do with the story that we're talking about today? Well, here's here's what it has to do with. Jesus had gone to synagogue on this particular Sabbath. And when he walked in, the leader of the synagogue would have asked him to be the primary messenger of that day. So if everything was as it should have been, here's what we could have seen if we'd have been there. The chief ruler would have asked him to be the messenger for the day. And as part of his duty as chief messenger, he would have begun the service with two formal prayers that were read out of a book or out of a scroll, and after that, they would have read the Shema. The Shema is found in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9, and chapter 11, verses 13 through 21, and Numbers chapter 15, verses 37 through 41. They would have read this to the congregation so that they would be aware of what is taught in the Shema. And so that they could understand the doctrine of their faith. So they would have read that without apology. Then they would have moved to certain prayers that were written that everyone could read out loud together. And then they would be, that would be followed by the blessings of the priest... So the priest would convey blessings upon the people through their authority. And then after that, they would conclude that part of the service. They would transition and they would go another direction. And they would begin reading the laws and the prophets before they were dismissed. And then after that, all of that, Jesus would have come. And he would have been asked to give the sermon for the day. Now we're not told what he talked about. We're not aware of what he said in, with his words, but we are very clear about what happened in that setting and the doctrine that was taught during his time there ministering in that synagogue. And it basically was two things. Number one, he taught the doctrine of demons and he taught it By confronting a demon that was in a man who was in the synagogue. And we learn how demons are to be dealt with by the way that Jesus handled the situation. Which leads me to the second doctrine that Jesus introduced. Not only did he introduce the doctrine of demons, but he introduced the doctrine of authority because what he wanted them to see was that he jesus had authority he had authority in his words and he had authority in his actions so he was teaching them that he had power over all things Here's the good news, and I'll get to this in just a minute. But what has Jesus now done with his authority? He went into the heavenlies after he was crucified and rose again. And the Bible tells us that he is today seated at the right hand of the Father in his place of authority where he ever lives to make intercession for the saints of God. And he has given us his authority so that in our walk of faith today, we have the ability to actually utilize the authority in Jesus' Jesus' name, facing everything and every circumstance that we come up against in our life right now. So if you're feeling weak today and if you're feeling blistered and if you're feeling down and out, let me tell you to raise your eyes to the heavenlies and realize, lift your shoulders and lift your head and realize that you are a child of the King and you have authority that you can use in every situation in Jesus' name. So, the first thing that we point to is this idea of doctrine. But then the second thing that was there is there was a demon. Now, did you ever look around the sanctuary and and just wonder to yourself, I wonder if there's a demon in the house today? I, I don't know why it is, but when I ask a question like that, everybody automatically looks at their spouse. I don't know why that is. Now listen, I have been in church services before where demonic spirits actually materialized and came forward in the service. For some, it scared them absolutely to death. But for others who were filled with the Spirit of God and had the authority of Jesus, they were able to take control of that demonic spirit. Now let me just share something with you that that maybe you can take home in your back pocket you should never fear demonic spirits because you have the spirit of Christ living and dwelling in you. You cannot be possessed by a demonic spirit and simultaneously possessed by the spirit of God. You, it, it can't happen. Jesus will not share his residence in you with a demonic spirit. And a demonic spirit does not want to be in the same place where Jesus is, let me tell you. See, you don't have to be afraid of that. You don't have to be afraid whether or not you are possessed of a demon. Because if your sins have been forgiven and you've been washed in the blood of the Lamb, there's not a chance in the world that you are possessed with a demon. But now you may be oppressed by a demon. Now what that means simply is that it's like having a thorn in your feet. If you ever stepped on a thorn or something like that, and every step that you took, it just seemed like that it hurt and 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 burn your foot and infected your foot and that kind of thing. It's an oppression, if you will. It's a heaviness. I I went outside this morning to drink my coffee. I didn't stay out there very long because there's an oppressive airflow that is in Louisville right now. And it's from the fires out west and the hot and the humidity. And I found myself having a difficult time breathing. I wasn't short of breath or anything like that that. It was just hot, and it was humid, and it was oppressive. I was not enjoying myself because of the oppressive heaviness of the air. So I brought my coffee in and enjoyed it inside in the air conditioning. If you've got no reason to praise the Lord today, let me just tell you, praise the Lord for air conditioning. It's a wonderful, wonderful blessing. There are times in our lives when we just feel and sense a heaviness around us, a a heaviness in our home, a a heaviness in our life, a heaviness in our mind. And there are times that that is an oppressive spirit that is trying to gain an advantage over you. And you can either deal with it and live with it, and just allow it to be that way, or as a child of God, you can say, I will no longer be oppressed by this demonic spirit. I'm going to show you in just a moment what Jesus did, but let me just assure you that you as a child of God cannot be possessed... But you might be oppressed by demonic spirits that you have authority over and can cause them to lighten up and leave you in Jesus' name. Amen? So here's what we learn about demons. Number one, we learn that demons are real. They're not fairy tale stories. They really are real. In this particular instance, we see that this demon spoke by asking questions. The first question that he asked is this What have we to do with you? Now, what he is saying to Jesus is We are as different as daylight and dark. We are not the same. You are light and we are dark. What do we have in common? That's really what he is asking Jesus. Why are we in the same setting? Because you represent one thing and I represent something entirely different. Can I just say to you that we as Christians need to examine our lives and look at the things that are influencing us, whether it's media, whether it's music, whether it's our environment or whatever it is. And we may need to look at that and say, what have I to do with you? What have I to do with this circumstance? What have I to do with allowing you to influence my life? Now, I'm going to get myself in trouble right now. I do that pretty frequently. You'll love me and forgive me through it, I think. I have so desperately over the last few weeks wanted to watch the show on TV called uh, Yellowstone. I want to watch it because it looks like the kind of show that I would really enjoy. There's tough guys in it. They're out, you know, doing business and all that kind of stuff. And I, I just, you know, I'm, I'm one of those kind of guys that likes to watch that kind of stuff. Now, she likes the frilly stuff, you know. It's like flowers and candles and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, you know, the sweet stuff and all that. I don't. I'd rather go out on the porch. I'd I just fight with my neighbors if I need to, you know, because I'm, I, 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 I'm a tough guy. And I, I really want to watch that show. And every time I try to watch that show, I feel this oppressive spirit come upon me. I, for one, just cannot put up with all of the language and all of the, the F-bombs and the GDs and the other stuff that's on there. And I, I can't, my spirit is grieved when they're having sexual encounters with, with, with one another and things of that nature. And there's an oppressiveness that just comes with. Now, if you need to watch it, if you feel no conviction over it, I'm not telling you not to, not to watch it. I'm just saying for me, it promotes oppression. In my life and in my household. And so I must, I must remove those things that bring oppression into my life. And even the demon realizes that. He looks at Jesus and he says, well, what do you have to do with us? And what do I have to do with you? We're as different as daylight and dark. How did we get connected here in this space? Well, Jesus is about to tell him why they got connected in that space. The next thing that he asked, he said, are you going to destroy us? Now, Jesus doesn't kill demons, but demons are subject to what Jesus will allow them to do. It's just like in the Old Testament story of Job and how that Satan comes before the throne room of God and asks, You know, about Job and Job 7 where Jesus said, God said, have you considered him? And of course, unleashed all of these different tests and trials upon him to test his faith. Listen, God is the one who controls what the enemy can do. But if he controls us and allows a demon to attack us or oppress us to a certain point, It's because he knows that you are able to overcome. And you are able to walk through that situation and come out victorious because God will never put it on you if you are not able to overcome and to control it. So he said, did you come to destroy us? And then he said, I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. Now this is interesting because when the demon said, I know who you are, you're the Holy One of God, Jesus said, shut up. He said, be quiet and come out of that man. The first time that the demon speaks truth, Jesus tells him to shut up. He tells him to be quiet. He spoke truth. He is the Holy One. He is the Holy One. He is the Messiah. He is everything that the demon said that he was. And Jesus says, be quiet. Now, why would that be? Why? Would Jesus stop him from speaking the truth? Here's what I think it is. If we're not careful, the devil will use truth to get us to believe up to the point that he starts lying to us. He is a liar, and he is the father of lies, the Bible says. So when the enemy speaks truth, It is only so that he can point you in the direction of falsehood that he's getting ready to pull out on you. And so what Jesus is teaching here is, even if the enemy of your soul speaks truth in a given situation, tell him to shut up. Because if you're not careful, he will influence you with a little bit of truth until eventually it gets you to a place where you will start believing lies and accept those as truth, and then he's got you right where he wants you. So when the enemy of your soul comes and says, well, but what about this and what about that? And you you can think in your mind, well, that is true. You need to tell the enemy to shut up, just like Jesus said, and come out or go out or get away because I'm not listening to you, whether you're telling the truth or whether you're shading the truth. I am not listening. I only have one source for revelation, and his name is Jesus. He is going through the Holy Spirit to reveal to me everything that I need. So, demons are real, demons can rule in their areas. Demons can take residence in vessels and in areas that are void of the Spirit of God. So, in other words, they can enter into people as they did this man in the Scripture. And they can also take up residence in areas, in geographic locations. That's why it's important for the church to pray for their cities. That's why it's important for us to intercede on behalf of Louisville. You know, I'm convinced that if we would have a whole, lot to say, a whole lot less to say about politics and a whole lot more to say about the movement of the Spirit of God in our city and the tearing down of strongholds and the breaking down of demonic spirits that have set up territories in our community, the church could overcome and see people receive freedom because we are seeing the chains fall because Jesus is working through his church. To tear down these demonic strongholds. And I'm not going to get into territories because you might live there and you might be offended and all that. But let me tell you one quick story and then I'll go on. Two or three, four years ago, something like that, our then governor, Matt Bevan, came to town and he asked churches to start praying for the east side of Louisville. And our church was one of the ones that signed up to be a prayer walking church, and we sent people down every week for a while, so that they could walk up the streets and pray over the homes and pray over the people that are there. And did you know that during the period of time that that Governor Bevan suggested that we should be praying, the crime rate in Louisville all over began to decrease, begin to come down, begin to fall? Why? What? Why? What? You can have any theory that. That you want, but here's what my theory is it is this when spirit filled men and women of God start praying and interceding on behalf of others and praying in the spirit and commanding the spirits to obey, God will listen to that kind of prayer. Listen, when you see your children starting to stray from their faith and their biblical foundation, you better believe the enemy is after their soul. It's not enough just to pat them on the head and say, It'll get better when you get older. No, you. You better start praying now over them every day that they live and demanding that the enemy, the devil, take his filthy hands off of them in Jesus' name. That's why, why we pray for our kids every year before school starts. It's not so we can have something to do and try and get a big crowd. No, we... we, we arm them with the tools of prayer claws that have been anointed with oil and that they can carry in their backpack or their back pocket so that whenever they go to school and whenever they get up in the mornings to go out into the world, they are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ and he will keep his hands upon them so they can take up residence. So we've talked about doctrine that was there. we talked about a demon that was there. And then finally this morning, let me mention that there was deliverance there. Deliverance there. Now I want you to see what the Lord did. You know, somebody told me one time, Jesus must not have been very Pentecostal. Because he didn't dance and shout and jump and scream and holler and shake his head and get his hair messed up and all that. He didn't need all that. All he needed was to speak according to the will of the Father. And when he spoke according to the will of the Father, the devil had to obey him. Now, notice what he said. He said, be quiet and come out of him. Be quiet and come out of him. I'm going to come back to this in just a minute. But I want you to see what happened. The demon did not go without a struggle. And here's what came to my spirit. When Satan knows he is losing the battle, he fights all the harder. When Satan realizes that Jesus has the better of him, doesn't mean he's going to give up immediately. He's going to keep fighting. He's going to keep coming after you. But here's what I can put in my mind and in my spirit, and it's simply this. The harder that Satan fights, the closer I am to victory. Woo! Man! The harder the devil fights, the closer I am to victory. When you wake up in the morning and you feel worse and your body hurts more and your mind's more messed up than it's ever been before and you're struggling more than you did last week and you're madder at your husband than you were the day before and you're frustrated when your wife and, and your kids are driving you crazy and all of that kind of stuff is taking over and you feel oppressed and you feel discouraged and you feel down and you feel out, remind yourself, the harder the devil fights The closer I am to victory. Amen. Closer that we are to victory. And when Jesus said, be quiet and come out of him, here's what happened. Immediately, the demon convulsed the man that he was living inside of. In other words, he grabbed him and he shook him from the inside out. And then he cried out with a loud voice. Man, I'm telling you, I was at a ball game one time, and I was enjoying it, and somebody, some joker behind me got excited about the play that just took place, and they screamed. I, I, I just about passed out. That scared me half to death. <clears throat> have anybody just scare you really bad? You weren't expecting it. It was just like, boom, and you just, you just felt it go all the way up to the top of your head. That's what happened in this situation. The Bible says that he cried out, the demon did, with a loud voice. But then finally, he came out of him. He convulsed him. He cried out, but he had no choice but to obey the command of Jesus. He had to come out of him. And so he did. Now, I want to stop. I want to quit with this. So, singers, get ready, and we're going to have prayer in just a moment. I want you to go to the verse that says, when Jesus spoke to the demon, he said, Be quiet and come out of him. Now, those two words, be quiet in the Greek, they literally mean be muzzled. That's what it means. So, when Jesus commanded the demon, he said to him in Greek, He said, Be muzzled. And you know what a muzzle's used for, right? When you use a muzzle on a dog, there are a couple of things that you're trying to accomplish. And the first is, you want to silence their barking. Now, I know some of you, you've got pets, you love your little sweeties, and you'd never treat your dog with a muzzle and all that. There, there are times that a muzzle is an appropriate training tool. And sometimes, you have to let that dog know who's boss. Let me tell you something about dogs that all of you know, but we forget sometimes. Dogs think that they are in control. They think they're the boss, and if you let them be the boss, whenever they yap at you, you'll ask them, how high do you want me to jump? My wife has trained my Louie to like toast. I get up in the morning. I go make me a piece of toast, and I, I make them a piece of toast, get my coffee. And the minute, the minute I get the bread out, that dog starts going crazy. Circles all around. Just going crazy. Why? Because he knows he's in charge of the toast. But he's not in charge of my toast. Because when he tries to stick his nose in my toast, he gets a good, firm, no, sir. I'm eating every bit of my toast without you helping me. You understand that? (laughs) Because he knows that in that toaster, there's another piece of toast that's got their name written on it. I get it ready. I take it over to her. And he just jumps up in her lap. And buddy, he's ready to go. He is ready, ready to go. And she says, no, no, sit back. he knows he's going to get toast. He knows that he is going to break her will and get that toast. He knows it why because he has sent a message to her i'm in control you're not now here's what i'm saying and if she wants to give the dog toast, i don't care you know what i'm saying but i'm saying there are times that you just have to say to that dog "Uh uh-uh we're not doing that the next time that you do that in my house there's going to be problems for you boy Because we don't do that inside my house. You have to show the dog that you're the alpha. Because if you show them that you're the alpha, and I don't mean beat them and all that kind, I'm just saying if you don't show them who's boss, they will automatically think they are boss. And they will bark at you every time you turn around. And they will nip at your heels and they will try to bite you. Donna come walking in from the bedroom the other day, and she's walking like this. She hadn't hurt her leg. She had a dog on the bottom of her pants trying to bite her and hold on to her, and she just tried. Why? Because he's the boss. Let me tell you something. There are things that the enemy uses in our lives that we enjoy. There are works of the flesh that feel good. And we enjoy doing those and participating. And if we give in, every time we give in, the devil knows that he is the boss. He's controlling you rather than you controlling him. So what am I saying to you today? I'm saying that if you want to silence the barking of the devil and if you want to prevent the devil from nipping at you and biting at you it's time for you to learn how to muzzle him in Jesus name there are times that you just need to say to the enemy be muzzled next time you're out of control in a fight with your husband or your wife you need to just back up and turn away and say devil be muzzled There are times that when you are walking through difficult situations that you need to just take a deep breath and say, In Jesus' name, I'm muzzling you right now. I refuse to allow you to bark at me, and I refuse to allow you to bite me. I refuse for you to be the boss in this situation. I overcome. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You must succumb your will to me. In Jesus' name. You got to muzzle the dog. Now, there's one other thing that you need to know. That dog will not muzzle himself. I, I don't care how many times you tell that dog, go put your muzzle on. That dog will not go put his muzzle on. His paws are not adequate to put it up on his face and wrap it around his neck. and put the little straps on he can't and he won't do it if you want your dog muzzled you're gonna have to get the muzzle and put it on him now what am i saying said, pastor you quit preaching a long time ago because now you're just talking about dogs i'm trying to explain to you that jesus overcame that demon with a spirit of muzzling because he said you just be quiet you shut up boy right now I'm not listening to a thing that you have to say you may be even speaking truth in some way but I'm not going to hear it I'm not going to listen to it I'm not going to give anyone the impression that you have anything good to say in this situation you be quiet and come out of him and leave him alone so what am I saying to you today I'm saying the devil is only doing his job when he attacks you. The the, the Bible teaches us that he came to kill and to steal and to destroy us. That's the job of the devil. So anytime that you feel like that you're dying in spirit, dying in the flesh, dying in the soul, dying in your body, any time that you feel like the enemy is taking things away from you and stealing from you, any that you feel like that your life uh, is filled with destruction, you can know that it is coming from an oppressive, demonic spirit that has been assigned to take you out. So you've got one or two choices. You've got one of two. The first one is you just let the devil have his way. And he will take you out step by step, minute by minute, moment by moment, year by year, all of that. Or you can stand up and square your shoulders and say, in Jesus' name, I'm putting a muzzle on you and commanding that you be quiet in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Make him shut up. Make him be quiet. You say, how do I do it? You be obedient to Scripture. And you be filled with the Spirit. And you muzzle him when he tries to tempt you. What does the Bible say about temptation? We'll all be tempted. But the Lord has given us a way of escape for every temptation that comes our way. So the devil is defeated in Jesus' name, amen. Stand with me if you will. The older I've gotten and more mature in my faith, that I have become the more I realize how much more I have to cooperate with the Spirit of God when I was a little kid growing up in a Pentecostal church we loved Sunday nights Sunday morning kind of a little bit laid back because we'd have visitors and stuff on Sunday morning it's like you know, you want to kind of be careful. You, you don't want to offend anybody or get anybody scared, you know, get the spirit moving and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, ah, eh, you know, I don't ever want to go to that church again. But on Sunday night, it's like anything goes. You just get back out of the way. Whatever God decides to do, we're doing it. If it's loud, great. If it's shouting, we're going to do it. If we're going to want to run, we'll we, we run tonight. I, I, I can remember our church was against pierced ears, but yet I knew a lot of my friends that got their ears pierced just laying on pallets up against the wall. When the women would get in the Spirit and start running the aisles in their high heels, and they'd come around, stick that heel in them, we had to pray for the kids just so they'd not die. If we didn't feel good, the parents would say, I don't care if you feel good or not. The Bible says, if any be sick among you, let them go to the house of God, let the elders pray and they'll be healed. We're going to church. You're not staying home and having Tylenol. It's just not gonna work that way. We can get there and they can grab our heads and shake them back and forth and and get the flu and the the pneumonia and the sickness out of us and say, hallelujah to the lamb. You're healed son, go home. I mean, Sunday night was just one of those things. It's just like whatever happened, that's, that's what happened. And I built this doctrine in my thinking. I don't have to do anything. Well, God will do it all. All I got to do is just trust him, trust the Lord, and he'll do it all. That's not what the Bible teaches. If you want to be victorious, if you want to be an overcomer, there are things in this book that we have to do and we have to cooperate with and we have to incorporate in our lives. But the good news is when we do what this Word says for us to do, God will release His Spirit into our lives in such a way that not even a demon can stop us from experience, experiencing the peace of God and the joy of God. So here's how I want to close today. They're going to sing in just a moment. Prayer team, I want you to come. And if you're here in this house today, I know you're not possessed of a demon. If you were possessed of a demon, I think we'd already know it. But you might be feeling this oppressive spirit in your life, this heaviness over a particular situation that you're having to deal with. And you'd like to break off that oppressive feeling. I want you to come up here and let one of these prayer team members pray with you. And in your prayer, I just want you simply to say something like this. Jesus, Jesus, I'm praying to you but I want to send a message to the devil and I want him to be quiet and I want him to stop oppressing me so that I can get victory over this situation in my life and let me tell you something when Jesus breaks that oppression over you you're gonna feel something happen in your life that will be immediate And it will change the atmosphere that you're living in. So how many of you would like to get free today from the hand of the enemy? When they start singing, I want you to come and let these prayer warriors pray with you this morning. Go ahead if you will.